Yes, students in the front row, always ready to give a praise. I love that. So my name is John. If we have not had the pleasure of meeting, uh, come say hi. I'd love to, love to shake a hand uh, and just uh, meet eyeball to eyeball. Uh, if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here. Um, I just want to ask you a very honest question. Um, uh, it's one week away. Can you stand it? I just want to know the last time we gathered together, we, we, we didn't know what we now know. Do you understand? You know, you know what I mean? Like, like the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl. The, the Super I'm just saying, uh, I, we, Kelly and I, you know, we went shopping probably like a, a lot of you uh, a couple days ago uh, in preparation of Snow Ice Amageddon. Um, I don't know uh, if you got iced in and snowed in, but uh, we were, uh, I, I just went to the store because I needed like literally two things, right? It was 8 o'clock in the morning. I dropped the kids off. I literally walked into to Kroger here in Cleves um, at 8.01. I remember because I, I looked for a cart and there were no carts. And I looked at my watch, which I'm not wearing because I don't want Siri talking to me every time I talk now. Um, I looked at my watch. It was 8.01 and carts were gone. The place was packed. I was like, what are you doing here? Now, I'm, I'm from northeast Ohio, and so snow, ice, that's just normal. You know, this is just what you grow up in, you live in, and, you know, you toboggan to work, and, and like, it's just normal. So I'm like, what are y'all Cincinnati folks doing? This, what is you doing? Like, Little did I know what was coming, right? So, uh, well done. I text David. I said, yo, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. From a north, northeast Ohio guy, well done, Cincinnati. Well done on your ice. Well done on the Super Bowl. But the thing that was cool about inside the, the grocery store was every aisle, people were talking about the bangles. Everywhere, every, didn't matter, and, and like different types of folks, everybody, like it was so cool and beautiful. Seriously, like all the differences in division that we've experienced in the last two years and all that, all of that gone, right? Because of football, like the power of sports. Praise God on that. He'll use anything he can to bring unity within the church and the community. Praise God. That's a whole sermon right there. Listen, so I, I have to confess, um, I, uh, I, I'm really mad at my daughter, and, um, and, and here's why. We're driving in the car, and uh, in the back seat, like an arrow to my heart, she says, Daddy, can I get a Bengals jersey? <laughs> and here's why this matters, because for 10 years, She's never once asked for a Browns jersey. <laughs> Ten years, never once, right? And so, of course, we got her a Bengals jersey, you know. She'll be rocking it next Sunday, don't you worry. Like, and I have to tell you, when I went to, to, to Dick's Sporting Goods to get the jersey, uh, I, I got cursed out. Um, not going to lie, because I had the last jersey in the whole store. The whole store. And this uh, young lady, we call them Karens, uh, this Karen... <laughs> was like, like, like swear words coming out uh, towards me because I had the last jersey. Like, I'm the one who made it. You know, like, I'm the one who didn't order enough. Like, it was my fault, right? So as much as there is unity, there is also division. Just a, that's a lesson for today. Uh, but amazing that my daughter, because I'm heartbroken because, you know, she never wanted a Browns jersey, but I'm also inspired because she wants nothing to do with football. And so there's hope now that my little girl wants to watch football with daddy. So 
Thank you, Cincinnati, once again, I owe you everything. So I've been following like all the stories and the storylines leading up to the Super Bowl and the different people and, and looking at all the news and stuff. And, and I came across this image that hurt, all right. Um, Sir, this is the nurse speaking. You've been in a coma since week nine. Oh, boy, do you know who's in the Super Bowl? And the nurse says, a team from Ohio and Odell Beckham Jr. It's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch my Cleveland Browns, right? Like, because some of you don't know, Odell Beckham Jr. used to play for the Browns, and then he was traded midseason. So this hurts on multiple levels. I feel that man's pain. Uh, I'm excited. I know y'all are. Uh... I know a lot of us, uh, we've been following, uh, you know, the Bengals, um, and we're following, uh, like, on social media, like, Joe Burr. What's your favorite nickname of J uh, Joe Burrow right now? Joe Shiesty, uh, Joe, Joe Franchise, Joe, Joe, Joe Burr, uh, Joe the Jungle. Like, there's a ton of them, right? Like, just look it up. Hashtags Joe something. You'll find them, right? Like, and so, like, you, you've been following, right? Uh, and we all follow people. You know, we all follow uh, uh, social media, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, you follow. Who do you follow? Right? You can see where I'm going. Like, oh, I see you. He did that preacher thing. Who do you follow? Yeah, it's real clever this morning. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Who you follow? Uh, who do you follow? Not a, not a trick question. It's okay. You know, you're, you're allowed to follow lots of things, right? There's a priority of things. We'll talk about that. Uh, like, who, who do you follow? Uh, if you are a follower of the Cincinnati Bengals, then you are a part of a group of people known as what? Known as the Who Day Nation, right? Who Day Nation, right? If you're a follower of the Bengals, Who Day Nation. If you are a follower of Taylor Swift, then you are a Swifty, right? If you're a Star Trek fanatic, some of you growing up watching Star Trek, you would be called a Trekkie, right? If, uh, if you followed the Beatles, right? You were a Beatlemaniac, right? If, uh, what's another one? Uh, yeah, if you're a follower of Beyonce, the Beehive. We've got three people, a part of the Beehive here, ladies and gentlemen. Three members of the Beehive. Uh, if you're like me, if you're a child of the 80s and you grew up watching WWF, right, WWF, remember? If you were a fan of Hulk Hogan, then you were one of the Hulkamaniacs, right? Right? Who do you follow? Uh, I was in the, this show called Rent, and we would travel all over, but there was this group of people that would follow the show like every city it went to across the country, and that was weird, by the way. Let me be really clear. Um, but they were called rent heads, all right? And it was very creepy. We'd see the same person, didn't matter what city, at the stage door. Like, didn't I just see you like three states ago right here? Like, that's just weird. Uh, but, you know, praise God if any of you are uh, rent heads and, and you're watching. You're welcome. Seasons of love. Cool. Uh, like, who do you follow? And what would people call you? You know what I mean? Uh, so so for, uh, for us, the, the obvious thing here is as Jesus followers, you know, aside from being a part of Houday Nation and, 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 or being a Swifty or a Hulkamaniac, you know, before all of that, before all of that, or you could look at the other way, like underneath all of that, hopefully... If you were a follower of Jesus, your true identity, your true allegiance would be that, you know, hey, I follow Jesus first and foremost. 
Underneath all that stuff, which is fun and awesome, I follow Jesus. The, the, and, and the world then would then call me and you then a what? A, a Christian, right? In Greek, the literal, literal translation of that word, Christian, is little Christ or little anointed one, little Messiah, little Christ. You know, has anybody ever called you a little Christ? Right? I mean, I've been called a lot of things, a little son of, but a, a, a little, a not, uh, I've not been called a, a little son of a Christ. Has anybody called you a little Christ? You know, you say you follow Jesus, but are you a little Christ? Are you representing him? Right? Uh, in the Bible, uh, Jesus' words in the book of John, he, he says that, hey, we'll prove to the world who we follow. It'll be real easy. We'll prove to the world who we follow, and they will know that, that you're my followers because of how you what? How you love each other. That's how you'll prove to them that, that, that underneath it all, I may be wearing a Bengals t-shirt, but underneath it all, I, I'll prove that I'm a Jesus follower by how I love people. That's what Jesus says. And so as, as a church, our team uh, decided that we're going to start the year off with a, a teaching series called Invited, where we will unabashedly, unashamedly uh, kind of remove as many assumptions as we could about who we are as a ministry, and then very candidly make a clear invitation to every single person to join us, to join us in relationship, to join us in community, and invite you into the mission of God. And, and so whether you've been hanging out with us for, for five minutes or for 50 years, you're invited to be a part of this crazy group of misfits, right? You know, to join us in a kingdom mission that, that truly at the foundation of it is to change the world around us. Um, it, it's those that actually think that they can change the world are the ones that actually do. That Jesus said that you will actually go and do greater things than me. Do you believe that you can change the world around you? Well, I hope so if you follow Jesus. <laughs> so this is what we're all about. Right? The last five weeks we've been kind of unpacking uh, this is who we are and what we believe and why we exist. And today in roughly 30-ish minutes, uh, we're going to share a moment together where we're all going to answer the question, are you in? Right? We've been talking about this. Today is D-Day, right? Next week will be who day day, right? Who day day? That's hard to say if you say it a couple times real fast, right? Who, yeah, today is decision day. See, because God is up to something. I don't know if you know that or not. I keep being reminded about it. He's up to something. He's got something incredible in store for our future, and, and we want you to be a part of it, and we can't wait to see what God is going to do in and through you. And, and we as a ministry want to come alongside and equip and empower you to be the world changer that you've been created to be. And now, if this is your first time hanging out with us and you're like, whoa, there's a lot of information. I just want you to know we don't always talk about the bangles here. All right. We, <laughs> I promise you. Uh, it's just something that's only happened in like three decades. So we were a little, you know, a little excited, right? And it's not always like this, talking about like, are you in? Like this is just a moment in time. That we're sharing. But if, if this is your first time with us watching online or in, in here in the room, like I'm so glad that you're here because 
everything we do is about you. You. The person who maybe uh, doesn't go to church or doesn't know about this Jesus guy or, or has lots of questions. Like, you are why we exist. You remind us. And we need that reminder. See, I see a lot of ministries, that they forget that. Some of you are here because you were part of a ministry that, that forgot it, right? Like a lot of ministries, they start off like on fire for Jesus and, and totally about like, you know, hyper-focused for reaching the lost and, and new people and, and letting everybody know that, that his love and his hope is for all people, right? And, but somewhere along the way, instead of being a group, of people focused on serving the needs of the sick and the dying and bringing hope to the lost and lonely, they start looking more like a, a country club focused, right, on serving themselves and bringing hope only to themselves and the already found, right? See, somewhere along the way, they, they lost their why. And see, when you lose your why, you, you will lose your way. And so if this is your first time with us and you're not too sure about this Jesus guy, like this whole church thing, thank you for being here because you remind us of our why. And today, I just want to say welcome to what we've been calling our Island of Misfit Toys. We're all, in here we're all crazy. In here we're all a little messed up. In here we're all a little broken. Some of us just hide it better than others. We've all got stuff. We're all committed to growing together and healing together and moving forward together. So welcome. Today is all about you. You remind us of our why. So this is who we are. We exist Everything we do is to help people find hope and a home in Jesus. We have core values like any organization, right? As a ministry, our core values are four of them. Say them with me if you remember them, right? Golf, right? We'll talk about that later. Amen. He's right there, all right? He's going to be on trial today, all right? Golf. Glorify God. Obey the Bible. Love people. Follow Jesus, right. This is what we're all about. Those are our core values. Glorify God. What's that mean, John? I'm glad you asked. All right. Glorify God. It means that everything we do points, points back to God. Right. That, that's the goal, right. That, like that, that is the goal. Understanding that we're all human and we all kind of like veer, go different ways. But the goal is everything we do points back and gives glory to God, right? Our testimonies, our time, talents, treasures, it's all, should be all about bringing glory to God and building his kingdom and not our own, right? Right, Psalm 103 verse 1 says what? Let all, everybody say all. all. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never, oh, don't ever let us be a ministry that forgets. Let I never forget the good things he does for me. Glorifying God, it means that all that I am, with everything that I have, I give it to God. I praise him. I, I, I praise him with what? A shabak, a shout, right? A, a, a hand lifted high, a dance, a, 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 a heart on fire, we give glory to God and praise and worship a, with a fierce devotion. 
to the one and only true God. We glorify God. Second, we obey the Bible. Man, you better. My gosh, like you better. It is the foundation of everything we are. Everything we do as a ministry is rooted in God's word. It is our guiding truth, our compass for our lives. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word, God's word, is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Sometimes we stray. Sometimes we get lost. Sometimes we, we wander. But hey, hey gets, get back on your path. He is a light to our path, right? Obeying the Bible, it means that that everything, again, orienting our life, everything we do is being committed to to growing with God's word as our, like, you know, our guidance and instruction to growing, to becoming spiritually mature, right? To not just, like, I I can quote John 3.16, you know, I, great, that's nice. Everybody at a football game ends up reading that one. You know, know, know that, that I commit to growing as a disciple, as a disciple maker, learning to be able to feed myself, right? Like as a disciple, I've got to be able to feed myself and not rely on mommy and daddy teacher to show me how to like puree God's word into a, a sippy cup, right? I've got and can't rely on, on mommy and daddy teacher to like cut up my food for me, right? I've got to learn how to feed myself to become spiritually mature as a disciple and disciple maker. That's what happens when we obey the Bible. We love people. Man, if you're going to be a ministry and say you love Jesus, like you better love people, right? My gosh, he gave up his life for people. People he didn't know, people that were different than him, people who looked different, talked different, came from a different zip code. (laughs) Think about it, right? He stepped down from his throne and moved into our neighborhood. I don't know you, but I'm going to die for you. That's Jesus. Why? Because he loved people, right? I was telling the team before we started today, like, look, Jesus, like, or God, they, they could have, like, it, to, to restore humanity and the relationship between humanity and God, he could have just went boop, right? One, one snap of the finger and everybody's, uh, they love us, right? But they chose to invite people to choose a relationship, to choose a devotion, to choose Part of that choice is to love people, right? And so this means that as we grow as disciples, that that we orient our lives to truly making it all about how do I love people the way that Jesus loved people? How do I make myself less and him more? How do I love you more than I love myself? Sacrificial love, the love of Jesus. And that's really hard, right? This This is not easy. As much as it is simple to read, it is hard to put into practice, especially for those that are different than you, right? That maybe they, they don't live on the same side of an interstate, right? Um, those people on the, I can't even say it anymore, the east. That, that's it, that, that word. I've been programmed and conditioned. Been two years, see what happened. Steelers fans. Yeah, I went there because I can't love you. 
John Tisovich can't love you, but because of Jesus Christ and his blood, I, I, I plead the blood to love Steelers fans. I have to try to love those different than me because I, first and foremost, choose to follow Jesus. So first and foremost, I have to love people. Who, John? Who should I love? Right? That's funny, right? We always ask that, like, well, who do I love? Well, yeah, that question is old as time, right? Uh, some real, real smart uh, religious people asked Jesus that. They said, what's the, what's the most important thing, Jesus? And he said, well, two things are the most important, right? He said, you must love the Lord your God with, with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And that's the first and greatest commandment. But second, one that is as equal, equally important, is you must love your neighbor as yourself, and then, of course, they went on, well, who's my neighbor? And then later he told this whole parable about the Good Samaritan. Like, so, yeah, he, he spelled out, look at, read it up sometime. Uh, he spelled out who your neighbor is. It's not just those that look like you, talk like you, breathe like you, pray like you. Love all people. <gasps> Love people. And then, and then I already referenced it earlier, John 13, verse 34. That's actually how we're known as his followers. This principle, not the other ones, not how much Torah do you know, right? How much scripture do you know? No, that wasn't actually def the defining marker that Jesus said. The defining marker of whether or not you're my follower is what? John, John 13, 34, he says, uh, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will what? Will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Hmm. Kind of an important one. Last one, follow Jesus. We talked about this last week, follow Jesus. Man, and this one is uh, like it's following him into the unknown, into the, into the scary places, into the trenches, following Jesus where most people don't want to go. Man, th this, this is a fun one. Jesus shows us, hey, if you're going to follow me, you're going to love the way that Jesus loved. You're going to serve where Jesus serves in the messiness of life, where there are kingdom people doing kingdom things. You're going to live in community it, it, with misfits, right? We talked about how Jesus was constantly hanging out with misfits, with people that did not have it together. And he lived in community with them. And so we, if we're going to follow Jesus, we should be living in community with people who don't have it all together, with misfits, right? And so when we follow Jesus, then what happens, right? When you follow Jesus, things can change, right, right? Things can change when you follow Jesus. He flips everything on its head. Things can change. Don't believe me? Read the Bible, but don't, don't believe me? Uh, give your life over to Jesus and see what happens. Really, truly, not just as, as Savior, but as Lord. Watch what happens when you live under his lordship. Watch what happens in your relationships, in your finances, in your future. Everything changes. So, you know, they don't, they don't say this a lot, you know, when, when it's that big altar call, right? When they say like, hey, follow Jesus, it's that time. But just so you know, there's a cost. It's like, no, sir, there's that money thing he's going to talk about. No, I ain't talking about that cost. There is a cost to following Jesus, Right? Those of you who maybe, you know, you hung out with Jesus for a little bit, you, you understand it. There's a cost to following Jesus because for things to change, things need to change. Right? You can't just say I follow Jesus and not change anything. 
And that's the definition of insanity. <laughs> Luke 9, Jesus says this. He says, uh, if any of you want to be my follower, all right, you must give up your own way. You must give up your own way. And then he says it this way. He says, I want you to take up your cross and follow me. He continues on and he says, if you try to cling to your life, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. White knuckle it. Will wh- you, 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 trust me, your hands will get tired and, and you'll let go. If you try to cling to your life, you will lose it. But Jesus says, if you give up your life for his sake, you will save it. There's a cost to following Jesus. It means that when we make that choice and make that decision to follow Jesus, our preferences and our comforts and our conveniences, they are nailed and sacrificed to the cross. Our our way is replaced then with his way. Our why becomes his why. But what else is nailed to the cross? Praise God. Death. Sin. Mistakes. Guilt. Shame. All the stuff from 1998. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. All the 80, 84 situations and scenarios that you put yourself in. All the stuff from 2017 that you hope nobody ever finds out about. When you place your faith in Jesus, all of that is nailed to the cross and forgiven. Praise God. Yes, one person in the back who understands what that means. So for the person that's sitting here today that, that uh, you know, you're, you're still, like, figuring this whole Jesus thing out or church thing, like, I, I just want you today, like, because, you know, I want you to look around and, and look at us. I want you to put us to the test. See us in the community. See us. Not, not here. Every, everybody's doing their head nod thing and their hand up in the air thing. Like, that's cool. This is a Sunday, Right? I want you to look. It's a small community. I've learned that in two years. It's a small community. So, so put your eyes on us. Do we actually glorify God? Do we actually obey the Bible? Do we actually love people? Do we follow Jesus? You tell us, right? Do we? You know, Andy Stanley, uh, I think he said it this way. Um, it's like if an alien, I know it's crazy, right? If an alien came down and visited our church and the alien looked at our community of faith, what would they say we were all about? If they just made observations of how we acted and our decisions and how we loved and, and how we just... Would they say that we glorify God and obey the Bible and, and love Jesus and, and, and follow Jesus, love people, right? This is what we are all about. I kind of wish aliens w- would be, you know, like, like really, let's find out, right? Let's find out. Some of you feel like an alien, <laughs> a stranger in a strange land that you're not a part of this world. Yeah. I want to invite up an alien that some of you may not know. Um, His name is David Vaughn. (laughs) That was the best segue ever. (laughs) 
Man, this, this succession thing's going real well, can't you tell? <laughs> Today reminds me kind of of an old story that I heard years ago uh, about a guy who was asleep one night, probably on a cold, snowy night, roads closed down, didn't want to go out. Guy laid down to sleep and is just getting ready to doze off, and he heard the sound of a mouse. His wife said, you got to do something about that. Some of you guys know about that. It'll go away. No, you're going to do something about that mouse. So he turned on the lights. He couldn't find the mouse. It was late at night. Stores closed. He went and found his mouse trap, and he went to the refrigerator to find some cheese for the mousetrap. Not a piece of cheese in the whole house. Late at night, he said, I don't have anything, but I'm going to do the next best thing. So he went and found a magazine, and he cut out a picture of cheese. <laughs> and he put the picture of the cheese in the mousetrap and went to bed. The next morning, he woke up, and he caught something. You know what he caught? A picture of a mouse. Anyway, the um, <laughs> I'll never forget that. John may not sit up here for the rest of the month. <laughs> I remember that old story as we, JT and I have been talking about this series and this day, and it reminded me of a truth that you need to remember. The mouse and the cheese remind us that if you want to get the real thing, you got to put out the real thing. If you want to get the real thing, you got to put out the real thing. We have been getting the real thing in our church because we've been putting out the real thing. For 19 years, at least in my ministry, almost 20 now, these four things has nothing to do with golf, although that is pretty good. Of glory, we've been glorifying God, obeying the Bible, loving people, following Jesus. That's the real thing. And therefore, that got us the real thing. It got us you. Some of you are brand new, just starting. So we're committed to these things because they are the real thing. Jesus was committed to these same things. So at the end of the service today, we're going to be asking you to RSVP. JT and I have been all in for some time. Many of you have too. We're going to ask you to commit to being the real thing on mission with us. Some of us have been here for a while. This commitment moment here at the end of our service will kind of be like a vow renewal. Right? You, you've been married. You're with us. You're renewing your vows. But some of you have only been flirting with us online and in the room. You've only been dating us. It's time to put a ring on it. See, I, I know Beyonce stuff. I can, I can do that. I can do that. But we are members of a family, and golf are the family guidelines. And so today is a defining moment. We just like to know who you are where you are, and whether you're with us, whether you want to be with us. Because honestly, some have left over the last couple of years for all kinds of bizarre reasons. Some have just started. Some today are trying to decide. And we just like you today, online and in the room, to identify yourself so that JT and I and the staff and the elders can know who our core is or who our core would like to be, our core team that's going to be the real thing in the future. Now, I'm not saying you have arrived. Everybody has to start somewhere. Remember, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Just ask the Bengals. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. So this kind of commitment, ask, 
that we are making today is not something new. In my tenure here, we've done this at least two or three times. Before we moved here from Westwood Cheviot, uh, once we got here, we wanted to know before this new worship center who we had. Obviously, we're hoping that every one of you will commit and do another RSVP by saying yes. Honestly, there are a few of you who maybe have listened to this series and you said, you know what, oh, I've heard that. And I've decided that I either got questions or I'm not on. That's cool. You have been considering off-ramping and leaving the church. My advice for you is this. Weigh and pray. Weigh that decision very carefully. Pray about it. Don't be in a rush. We don't want this. But there are indeed good reasons to leave a church. There's bad ones too. <laughs> We had a guy leave the church uh, years ago when we were really starting to pick up numerically and grow and get momentum. And we had a guy leave the church because he showed up one afternoon to play golf with me because I used to golf with him. He showed up to play golf with me without calling in advance. And I had like meetings from sunup to sundown. I told him I couldn't go. He said, I want to be, if I can't show up and golf with a preacher, that's not a church I want to be affiliated with. And people wonder why I'm retiring. I said to him, the reason you like this church so much is the reason I can't go with you when you just show up to golf. That's why we want you to pray and wait. Don't, don't be a church hopper. D don't jump from church to church. Now, again, there's good reasons. The churches change. People change. Leaders change. I get that. But a lot of people, they just go from place to place to place as a consumer and not a contributor and a disciple and a disciple maker. <laughs> I heard about this guy who was marooned on a desert island, and he didn't think he'd, he's all there by himself. Never thought he'd get off, man. And all of a sudden, one day on the horizon, he saw a little dinghy come up, a little guy with several people there to save him from a ship out on the horizon. And the guy said, hey, we're here to save you. We saw your huts on the horizon, and we're here to get you. So get all the people that are here on this island and come with us. We're here to rescue you. And he said, well, I, there's nobody else here. I'm, I'm here all by myself. He said, well, why you got those three huts up there, JT? He said, well, that first hut, that's where I live. He said, that second hut, that's my church. <laughs> I said, what's that third hut? He said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> that's good. You might want to tell that one again sometime. <laughs> Friend, I'm not talking to you. I, you will be here a while. You'll leave later. You might. We've had people come, leave, come, leave again. It's bizarre to me. But we do recognize that Whitewater is not the right fit for everyone. Our church is not perfect. I haven't made every great decision every time. I did the best I could with all the information I had. But we got issues too. I would just challenge you, when you go find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but if you do leave, we encourage you to exit well and leave well. Ideally, if it were my dream, People would find and stay in one church their entire life, but that's not realistic. Churches move, transitions do occur, and if you choose to say, I'm out, I'm not in, uh, we're hoping the majority of you say, I'm out, man, leave well, leave on the high road, just know the door is always open for you should you want to return. One of the phrases I've learned after decades of ministry is that anger gets you in trouble and pride keeps you there. So don't let ego or pride keep you from returning if it didn't work out the way you wanted. 
if that awesome church that you thought you wanted to find wasn't as awesome. You know, we were awesome for a while at some point in your life. I find that most people, and I've been doing this again here in this part of town of the country for 20 years, I, I find most people leave a church over one of two issues, misunderstanding or misalignment. And this is as much remedial as, as proactive for you teaching right now. A misunderstanding can be clarified. You will not always understand or agree with everything that JT and our elders and our leadership do. But misunderstandings can be clarified usually through a one-on-one -on -one conversation. We love it when people just come and talk to us. So much is cleared up. Unmet expectations cause conflict. So more information, an apology, a new perspective can often move a person from being upset to being at peace pretty quickly. Misunderstanding. Now, misalignment, that's a whole other issue. If you are fundamentally at odds with what we have been preaching about the last four or five weeks of golf, of our mission, if you are fundamentally opposed to uh, our strategy or how we're going about church or what we believe about the Bible, that's probably going to be an alignment issue. And people who are misaligned seldom thrive in a church. They complain. But they, they, they don't comply. So because we are not the only local church in town, we're not the entire body of Christ, healthy church leaders welcome you if it's a misalignment issue to find a church that better aligns with your understanding of your personality or how you think the church ought to operate. And I just got to tell you, we are building his church, not our church. We have people transfer in over the years from other churches. We've had, people, we've had people come, and we've had people sent out as missionaries. My, I, I, no other church is my competition for J&T and I. The devil is our competition. Lighthouses don't compete. Huh? So I'm asking you if it is a misalignment issue, find a church that aligns with your bent and one in which you can grow spiritually. Honestly, this is not the same church we were two years ago. So many things have changed. Not all bad, it's just different. This is not the same church we were when we opened here on 5771 15 years ago. We're not the same. I'm not the same. Some of you are not the same. And here's what I know. Two years from now, we won't be the same either. The expectations are greater. The strategy is different. The, the, the goals of, of alignment suddenly become very, very important. But if you leave, I'm just asking you as the, guy, as the old guy, affirm the good in the church. Go and serve Jesus with what you have learned here. You won't regret that. But friend, this is who we are. We exist to help people find hope and a home in Jesus. That has not changed since I was here. That was the missional words that I had when I showed up, and they're still true. We're doing it through golf. That has been true for a long, long time, of glorifying God, obeying the Bible. I, mean, I can't tell you how important it is to preach and obey and learn the Bible, loving people and following Jesus. It's really pretty simple. And this series has been clarifying to me all over again, especially as I hear JT articulate it and as I coach him and as I cheer him on. He's done such a good job with this. I, I'm just telling you, such a good job. But this series has been us telling you and him learning all over again what we are, but also what we are not. 
when I first showed up, it was a country club benefit, member benefit mentality. I pay the tithes. I tell you what to do. I watch you serve. It, it was unhealthy. It was messed up. This is not a country club anymore. We're also not a fitness club where you kind of pay fees, you go for a while, and then you go less and less as time goes by, and you get pretty flabby and not in spiritual shape. Oh, there you go. I'm like, it's a whole other sermon, as JT would say. Friend, we're not those things. We are the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ being deployed on a missional movement to win lost people one person at a time. That's who we are. That will never change. So today we're unapologetically looking for those who want to dream that dream, who, who want to risk, who are willing, supporting JT and our elders, to storm the gates of hell all over again, people who want to do something huge and big for God with their one and only life, people who are committed. <laughs> we want people so committed that that folks outside of the church think we are so crazy for God that we should be committed. Yes. That's the kind of people you want. Those are the people that change the world. Yes. But that is our legacy. That is our DNA. And friend, I've been following Jesus for a long time. You show me any other organization, any other club, any other thing you could join that's like the church when the church is working right, and I'll join in and start preaching for it. You show me any other organization that fixes stuff in this world and has forever in heaven to work on everything else and celebrate war, I'll join that. And I'll encourage JT to get on board with that. There's nothing like the church when the church is working right. And so we're inviting you in this moment, on this day, to go on this adventure with us, with a guy who's leading the band and our staff that I couldn't be more proud of. And he's going to come down share that. So it is RSVP time. For five weeks, we have put out an invitation. And so all of you, when you came in, you should have received a card, right? Uh, if you have not received a card, uh, it looks like this. Uh, just put your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care. Um, and thank you, one person who got that. Like, just put your hand in the air. And we will get this card every person, not one per family. This is every person. Every person needs one of these cards. If you need a pen, we got pens. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, what, what, what are you invited into? You're invited into relationship, right? First and foremost, you are invited into a relationship with a God who loves you no matter what. Like there is nothing that can separate you from his love. Nothing. Through his son, Jesus Christ, we are inviting you into relationship and not religion. Through this journey, we're inviting you to learn how to recover your life, to leave the past in the past because you are not your past. Amen? Amen. You are not what you did and you are not what others did to you. You're a child of God made in his image. You are the light that God made to shine in the darkness. That's who you are. You're invited into relationship. We're inviting you into community to grow as a disciple maker, to be one of the misfits, committed to healing, committed to growing together as disciple makers as we worship and pray together, as we share meals together, as we learn to be radically generous with all that we have. 
And we're inviting you in to mission with Jesus and through his local church right here to be a part of the greatest mission the world has ever known, the Great Commission, right? To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. To teach those new disciples all that Jesus has taught us. That is our mission. We have been called to go and make, not sit and soak. We are rolling up our sleeves and you are invited to get into the trenches get into the messiness of life and to train up the next generation to go and do the same thing. So, if you haven't already, you want to be filling this out. Your name, your phone number, your email. You want to fill that out. Whether you're 8 or 80 years old, you're invited because if there's still breath in your lungs and you're not dead, then he's not done, right? There's still work to do regardless of your age, because there is a lot of lost and hurting and broken people all around us sitting in your row, sitting next to you, at work, at school, living next door to you. They are hurting and they are lost. They are lonely. They do not have hope. They are giving up. They don't think that things can change and they don't feel like they matter. And Jesus says that every single one of them matters and we, the body of Christ, are the answer to their prayers. We, the body of Christ, are the answer to their desperate pleas for things to change. We can show them a God who can change everything. You are invited to the front lines of kingdom transformation to change the world. Are you in?